This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Today we are starting a brand new series called Strapped. And I'm going to be honest with you. This series is for that person that's in here that is tired of struggling financially. How many of y'all are tired of struggling financially? Tired of every month. Asking the question, do we got any money left in the bank so I can buy gas at the end of the month? Tired of struggling about where the money that God has given us is to go. This series is for that person that is tired of struggling financially. And for many of us, that reality is so strong and so true and so prevalent I mean, finances are listed as one of the top reasons for conflict in in marriage, consistently the number one reason for divorce. It's a big issue. And the problem that, that is associated with this is really not what we have. It's how we treat what we have. So to get started, I want you to see this principle, and this is going to be played out for the next four weeks for us. So the way that we take care of what we have been given sets the pattern for how we will take care of what we can receive. See, the truth is that everything you have, you have been given. You have been given it. It is not something that you earned or you deserved or you were owed. You have been given it. James 1.17 says that every good and perfect gift comes down from God. And some of us are living in some good gifts that we've taken credit for because we've said that we earned it. Everything that we have been given and the way that we treat the things that we have been given sets the table, sets the course, creates the pattern for how we will deal with what we can receive. And some of us are not receiving more because we haven't done well to manage what we have been given. The term strapped means to be so financially burdened that you can't even pay the most important things in your life, the debts that are the most important. And too many of us in this room right now are strapped financially. Too many of us are dealing with undue financial tension. And it's not because we don't have enough money. It's because we haven't taken care of it. How many of y'all, let's just by a show of hands, how many of y'all believe that God's word is true? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. That's most of us, okay? There's a few of y'all, y'all wrong, okay? All right, if you didn't raise your hand. Philippians 4.19, I'm going to read this out of the message. I want you to see this. That you can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. Say everything you need. Everything you need. His generosity exceeding even yours. The other translations, I believe the NIV says that God will provide all of your needs according to his riches and glory. God has given you everything that you need. The problem isn't that we need more. 
problem is how we've taken care of what we have been given. Now, this is the kind of series that some of y'all can come into. Y'all can get into this and know you need it. You're tired of struggling financially. You're tired of the stress that's come. And you can try to dismiss, and for the next 30 minutes, you can do mental gymnastics to try to get yourself out of this. Or you can sit there and receive something that will bring liberty and freedom and hope to your life. You can say this is for that person, this is for that. I really wish my friend was here to hear this. But let me just tell you something. This is for you. This is for you. You're here. You're the person here. God brought you here. God got you here. This is for you. And for the next four weeks, we're going to push strong towards the reality that God doesn't want us to live strapped. As a matter of fact, this week I'm going to share a message called More Isn't More. As a matter of fact, the more we get, the less we have. It's so ironic. Next week we're going to talk about stress. How many of y'all feel stress? Right? Stress kills. We know that physiologically that stress kills, right? It creates heart disease or other things that it does to our bodies. But the truth is stress kills the life that God wants you to live. Stress kills. The third week we're going to talk about giving is awesome. Because giving is awesome. Giving is the most fun you'll ever have with money. Giving is literally being a reflection of the heart of God. God in his nature is a giver. And when we give, we look like God to this world. The early church was known and established by people who were generous. And I believe that the church is actually anemic in the culture that we're in because there are very few people who get generosity. Giving is awesome. And week four, we're going to talk about ending well. You may be saying, but I'm not close to ending. Well, here's the thing. If you don't work on ending well right now, you won't get to end well. Ending well. So today I'm going to deal with the topics of less and more. And the problem is that we've been programmed to think that more is better. We've been inundated with, with advertisements to tell us that we need things and that we need another one and that we need a better one. We've bought into this lie that if one is good, more is better. If one is good, more is better. Think about it. Most of us would agree. If one dollar is good, more dollars is better, right? Right? We would, we would just believe that, right? We buy into that, right? If one car is good, more is better. If one kid is good, three kids are better. Let me just tell you, sometimes it's not better. <laughs> sometimes you don't sleep for a week. Listen, this is how that ends. You may have more money. You may have more clothes. Your kids may have more toys, but you end up with more stuff, more stuff. And today, I'm going to lean into this one simple thought, that less is more. Less is more. And some of y'all already trying to check out. Stay with me. I want you to get this. This started at the very beginning of our story. If we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, where God created Adam and Eve, and he put them in perfection and gave them the greatest deal that humanity ever got. 
I will take care of you, provide everything that you could ever need if you will follow one rule. How many of y'all want that deal? I want that deal. I want to do. I would blow it, all right? I would blow it. I'd eat the fruit, but I want the deal, right? And they did. They blew it. And they bought into a lie. They bought into a lie. Do you know what that lie was? It was just this simple. More is better. More is better. The original sin was born out of the original lie. If you're writing notes, I would take this down. And that original lie was this, that what you don't have is what you need. What you don't have is what you need. The only thing in the world that they didn't have, they were tricked into believing that that was the one thing that they needed. And so many of us have bought into that simple lie that what we don't have is what we need. And so today, I'm going to try to prove to you that less is more. That less is more. That in reality, in our lives, less is more. And I'm going to do that practically even. If you've been around, you know I love the Bible. I teach from the Bible. But in the, normally in the, in the context of a message, I'm going to use somewhere between 10 and 20 verses to support uh, what we're doing. But today I'm just going to use one, right? Because I'm going to model for you what we're talking about. Less is more. Because maybe what, what, what would happen if all of us in the course of a, a talk memorized a verse, internalized a verse, and walked out of here and lived out that one simple verse? That could be more. Here's the verse. It's out of Ecclesiastes from the writer Solomon, one of the wisest men to ever live. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 6. Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Let's just look at that for a second. Better is one handful, one handful, one empty, one handful with tranquility, with peace and calm than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. You know what that phrase, chasing after the wind, is referring to? Happiness. Because happiness is a moving target. If I were to ask you how much money you need, you would always say more. If I would ask you how much do you need to be happy, you would always say more. Happiness is a moving target. Chasing after the wind. Better is one hand with tranquility than two hands with toil and chasing after the wind. It's simple, right? Because if you have one hand and one of your friends falls down and one hand is full but one hand is empty, you can help your friend up. If you have one hand full and a friend comes to you and they're crying, you, you can comfort them and hold them, right? If you have one hand full and your kids come to you and they're complaining, you can slap them, right? right? Just kidding, don't do that, don't do that. That's not a good idea. It's a bad idea, right? <laughs> right? You have one handful, you have margin. And the thing is, is that many of us are living with both hands full. Have y'all ever watch your kids after Halloween? Y'all see how much Halloween candy kids get these days? It's insane. I, I mean, really, we don't have buckets big enough to put all the Halloween candy in. And, two, and, and, and how many of you, how many of you would rather see your kids with two handfuls of Halloween candy or one handful of Halloween candy, right? If your kid comes to you with two handfuls of Halloween candy, it's a scary moment. Do not eat that, all right? This is not going to go well. A lot of times our lives are like 
our kids at Halloween. We don't know where to stop. We don't know what's important. We haven't figured out the things that really matter. So in the space that's provided in your notes, I want to take a moment. And I asked this question on Facebook, and I'm going to ask it, and I'm going to ask you to write down three answers right now on the spot. What are the three most important things to you? What are the three most important things to you? Go, write it down right now. Three most important things. All right, here's the thing. This week, I asked on Facebook if you would share with me the the three most important things. And the most common answers were my faith and my family. Those were the most important things to people. Can I just say this? That there was not a guy on Facebook who said, one of the three most important things to me is killing a trophy buck. And sadly, deer season comes in soon. Rifle season, it's already muzzleloader season. I'm just saying, I love deer hunting. I'm excited. All right, I saw one last night for the first time. Listen, I almost peed in my pants. I was so excited. Okay? But there are some guys who will spend the next two months not spending any time with their family, not devoting any work in their faith. And they would say that their family and their faith are the most important things, but their actions don't reflect that. I didn't have a lady on there put getting to the next level of Candy Crush. (laughs) It's the most important thing in my life, getting to the next level. But there are some of y'all, okay, I'm not not saying names, and I go pointing fingers, okay, but there are some of y'all that have been like, leave me alone. I'm just about to get to the next level of Candy Crush. Leave me alone. Stop calling me mama. Leave me alone. Get out of the room. I don't even want to look at you. For a game. About two years ago, a friend of mine attended our church was diagnosed with cancer. She was a mother of three little kids. I went to visit her. She died in early spring. Went to visit her after Christmas. She was very sick. And asked her what they got the kids for Christmas. And she said, well, my youngest has always asked for the most expensive Lego kit you can buy. Always. Every year. And every year we've come back and said, no, no, we can't afford that. We can't spend that much money. It's way too much money to spend on Legos. But I'm going to die in a few months. And so we bought it for him. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's good. And she goes, we didn't buy it for the reason you think. We bought it because buying him that kit Gave me an excuse to spend three days with him building the Death Star. I got to work side by side with him and hold his hand. And now every time a visitor comes by, he brings it out and says, this is what me and mom built. We didn't get it to have another thing. We got it because I wanted to spend some time with my son. And it was just an excuse to do that. If you only had three days left to live, would it clarify what's important? Would it change the nature of some of your arguments? 
Would you fight about things differently? Would you think about things differently? Because here's the reality, that when you define what matters, you'll recognize that most of our lives are spent pursuing things that don't make the list. When you define what matters, we'll recognize, most of us, that our lives are spent pursuing things that don't make the list of what really matters. And it's simply because we have bought into that lie and we still think what I don't have is what I need. And our lives are filled with stuff. And it's not bad stuff. I don't even want to like insinuate that, but our lives are filled with stuff. And that stuff is choking out the life that God wants for you. So what I do want to do is I I just want to give you three steps today to living with less. Three steps to living with less. The first one, this is hard for some of you, okay? And I want you to know that some of you are just, you're going to push back. Just go ahead and just prepare your heart to receive this. Number one, cut back. Cut back. When we first moved here to Plant Vortex, we were very lucky. Uh, an organization sponsored us and gave us a house to live in for free for a couple years. It was a very old house. Um, it was built in the late 1800s. It had in the whole house two closets, just that's all. And it could barely hold my, basically my pants. That's about, about all that could fit in all of our closets. Do you know why houses built back in the 1800s have such small closets? Because in those days, a man would have a suit that he would wear to church and to a funeral and perhaps to a wedding. He would have several pairs of clothes that he would work in. And that's it. A woman would have a nice dress that she wore to church and to funerals and to weddings and several pairs of clothes. Now, some of y'all, I go over to your house, you got walk-in closets. Not only do you walk in, but all the way around. It's like a whole other room that's a closet. A room attached to your room that is a room of closet. That is, that's all it is there for. And around you, surrounded in multiple layers, up and down, are shirts and pants and shirts and pants and shirts and pants and shirts and pants and shoes and shoes and shoes and shoes. You even have clothes stacked on top of the very top all the way to the ceiling. I have seen online, I have never seen it face to face that there are closets that you can walk into and you can press a button and out of the ceiling will drop down another rack for you to put your clothes on. That's crazy. It's crazy. We need to cut back. Some of y'all cannot park your cars in your garage because your garages are filled with stuff. Let's just be honest. That's what garages are on your house for, is for you to park your car in there. They were not built as storage containers. Some of you have eclipsed the storage capacity of your garage and now spend money on storage facilities that you literally will never even go to and look in, and for years you just pay rent so you can store your stuff. There's a problem with that. Jesus is approached by a young man who has a lot of stuff. 
okay, he has a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. And he basically asked Jesus, what, what do I need to do to inherit this life that you, to, to live this life that you're talking about? What do I need to do? And Jesus drops this statement that I'm going to reference a lot through the rest of this talk. That life does not consist in the abundance of stuff. It's just a paraphrase of what Jesus said. Life, real life, real authentic life does not consist in the abundance of stuff. See, some of us have got confused about what we really want out of life. And we've bought into a lie that what we want is what we don't have. When really, if we get the things that we want, our life is going to be so filled that we don't have time for the things that we really want. Maybe we really, really want less stuff. Because if we have less stuff, we will have more friends. What do you mean by that? all the stuff that you have requires maintenance and care. You walk into your house and it is filled with things that immediately require your attention. You are not free. You are not living in peace. You are not living in harmony. You walk in the door and immediately you are overwhelmed with the work that you have to do in your house. You have so much stuff. And it has taken up all the space of your life. And because you have no space, you have no time for friends. Maybe we need less stuff and more time with our family. Some of y'all are so busy doing laundry because you got too many clothes. So busy taking care of a house that's too big that you don't get to spend time with the people that you bought it for. And we need to cut back. Maybe we need less stuff. If we spend less money on less stuff, we have more money to spend on experiences together, making memories together, things that will outlast even our living days. We have less stuff and more experiences. Many of us need to cut back. And that means we need a budget. And we need to decide and give every dollar that, that we ever get a job and, and set it to work. And some of you have never done that before. If you need help financially and you're struggling, you've never made a budget, in, in January we're starting financial peace. We'd love for you to be a part of that, okay? We'd love for you to join up and, and kind of learn what it does it mean to live off of a budget. What does it learn to take steps towards retirement? What are the baby steps towards living financially healthy? It starts at the very beginning of January. You can sign up at guest services right now. Because many of us need to cut back. Second thing we need to do is we need to clear out. We need to clear out. I was lucky early on, a, a mentor told me this, and, and it's so true. Look, look at this. We, we need to clear out as if our life depends on it. Because your life does. See, for some of us, the real authentic life that God wants us to live. We walk into our house and we are so overwhelmed by the stuff that we have. The stuff takes our attention and immediately the attention is shifted not from life but to stuff. We need to clear out like our life depends on that. I'm going to be honest with you. For me, this is very personal. 
I grew up, I was not a very good student. I graduated from high school with a solid 2.0 GPA, okay? If you don't know that, that's not very good, okay? All right? That's barely a C average. But I graduated from college with a 3.98 GPA, which is almost totally, the only class that I didn't get an A or B in was college algebra, and that's because math comes from the devil. All right, just straight up. All right, barely made it through that class. Now here, here's, the, here's the thing that I learned in college. I, I learned, I never studied before, and I learned that if I was going to study, I had to clean the room. Because if not, I would go to study and then look over there and be like, oh, and then, oh, I need to do this. And I struggle with ADD. Y'all don't make fun of me, okay? All right? But I learned something that's very important. It's a principle that really does matter for us, that outside organization creates inner peace. And some of you walk into your homes and you're so overwhelmed by the disorganization that you don't have peace in your home. The issue isn't everything's got to be in a place. The issue is that you need a place where you can live in peace. How much room do you have? Some of y'all don't even have room in your house. But the tougher question is how much room do you have in your soul? How much room do you have in your soul? Because the things in our lives somehow crowd our soul and crowd out the life that we need, the life that God has destined us to live. Some of you are distracted because of the level of clutter in your life and you can't hear or sense the voice of God. Why is this so hard for us to clear out? Well, look at this. I'm going to give you a few reasons. Number one, some of us didn't grow up with much. Some of us grew up fairly poor. And so when we get things, it's hard for us to let go of things because we never had things before. And so it's tough to let go of things because we didn't grow up with much. Some of us are afraid we might need it again. Okay? Let me just say this. That pair of pants you ain't been able to fit into in the last 10 years... You ain't going to need them again, okay? And if you get to a point where you need them again, you're probably not going to want to wear them pants again. And some of us are just sentimental. Some of us are like, this is the sweater that I wore on our fourth date. It's three sizes small, but I'm not getting rid of it. We're sentimental. I just want you to remember that statement Jesus made. The life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. And sometimes we get so confused about the things that we own, and what happens is the things that we own start to own us. So what's this abundance doing to us? Number one, we're overwhelmed with stuff. We're overwhelmed with stuff. Most of us will walk into that walk-in closet, surrounded by clothes, look around and go, I have nothing to wear. No, you have 800 outfits. There's no way you have nothing to wear. We're overwhelmed with the choices we have. And in that, we really have too many options. Y'all have all looked on Netflix before? 
scroll through the 10,000 episodes of everything that you could imagine, walk, and then walked away and said, there's nothing good. There's nothing good. Can't find anything worth watching. Y'all ever been to Cheesecake Factory? This is the worst. This is totally the worst. You ever tried to order cheesecake at Cheesecake Factory? There's a, th- there's a whole book of cheesecake at Cheesecake Factory. It's every kind of cheesecake you can imagine. It's overwhelming. It takes me an hour to order cheesecake if I go to Cheesecake Factory. I don't go to Cheesecake Factory. I just want there to be three options. Is that too hard? It's just overwhelming. So how do we let it go? How do we let it go? Let me give you some advice. Psychologists say if you're sentimental, thank the item for its purpose in your life. Literally hold up that sweater and go, thank you. That fourth date was amazing. It was am- I can still remember the way he looked at me when I wore you out there. But our time together is over with, and it is time for you to serve someone else. So I'm letting go. It may sound stupid, but it's true. Simply recognizing what something has meant, but realizing that its season is over with and saying, thank you, I want want you to serve someone else, letting it go. Here's another great principle. Get one, give one. Get a new shirt, give away a shirt. Get a new pair of pants, give away a pair of pants. Get a new pair of shoes, give away a pair of shoes. Get a new kid, give away a kid, right? right? Just get one, give one, right? Once you kind of get to the point where you've created the equilibrium that you want to live with, get one, give one. And then some of us, if you haven't worn it in a year, this is a good metric. So we decided this week that we would receive clothes to give away. We decided after hearing the message that we would take clothes again next week because we knew that many of you would need to go home and clear out. If you haven't worn it in a year, you are literally statistically likely to never wear it again. Okay? No matter how much you think about it, those cargo pants from 1996, you are not wearing those again. And probably the fabric sold that if you did and you bent over, it would go real bad, okay? If you haven't worn it in a year, give it away. We need to clear out. And lastly, we need to pay off. We need to pay off. Here's some things that people have never said about debt. Nobody has ever said, you know, being in debt helps me feel at peace. <laughs> Nobody has ever said, you know, that monthly credit card payment that we make, I just feel... Man, it just means something to my soul to make that credit card payment each month. Nobody's ever said that. Nobody has ever said owing a bunch of money to somebody just brings me such joy. It just brings me joy. Nobody's ever said that. All right? What does debt bring? Debt brings stress, worry, and fear. That's what debt brings. Stress, worry, and fear. And so if you want to get real serious about paying off your debt, I encourage you to sign up to, get a part, to be a part of Financial Peace. It's going to be a great opportunity starting in January for you to get enrolled in the class. It's going to help you see what you need to do, the steps to get debt-free. Because if you want to know what fun is with money, that's being debt-free. That's, that's fun. 
not owing anybody. Let's go back to that verse. Think through this with me. Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Let me rephrase that in light of debt. Better is one car that's paid off than a new one with massive payments. Better is a smaller house that we can afford than a large mortgage in a fight every month about money. Better is to have financial margin in our lives so that we can help people than to live on the edge, not never understanding if we're going to make it through the month financially. Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. See, the truth is, is that less is more. And if you really get less is more, you understand that it's less of the things that are not important in your life. And it's more of the things that are. And it doesn't mean that you won't have nice things. As a matter of fact, if you adopt this strategy of living, you'll probably have nice things, just not a lot of nice things, because better a little nice stuff that you own than a bunch of junk that owns you. Better a few nice things that you own than a bunch of junk that owns you. Over a decade ago, I was given the privilege to travel to China where I worked as a legal consultant for the Christian church in China. There's a lot of stuff that's said about Bibles in China, but the truth is Bibles are legal in China. But the average person in interior China only makes $200 a year. And a Bible that's approved by the communist government that has a stamp on it that is literally the authorized word of God, it costs $2.50. They can't afford it. They make $200 a year. They're barely making it. So I went with the American Bible Society and traveled throughout interior China distributing thousands and thousands of free Bibles to people who had never seen them. I went into churches that were nothing more than metal shells where thousands of people crowd in shoulder to shoulder. No seats no projection, no lights, no worship leader. And they would sing and worship. And they would do so for hours. And it was deafening how loud they sang. And I saw women in their 50s who had never seen the word of God themselves at all get handed a Bible that cost $2.50. Clutch that Bible and begin to pray and cry and pray and cry. Do you know that statistically that people who live in underdeveloped parts of the world are happier than we are? They're happier than we are. Sociologists say that, that on, on their statistical analysis and the study of the way that they live, that they live with more joy than we do. Because here's the truth about wealth, that the richest people are not those who have the most. The richest people are those who need the least. And they don't need it to be happy. And all of us have bought into a lie that we need what we don't have to be happy. 
that we need what we don't have to be satisfied, that we need what we don't have to live the life that God's called us to live, that we need what we don't have to fulfill the calling that God has on our life, that we need what we don't have. And the truth is, is that it's just a lie. I want you to see this, and I want this truth to get buried deep into your heart today. That your life is too valuable, your calling too great, and your God too good to waste your life on meaningless stuff. And I mean that. Don't waste your life on meaningless stuff, on stuff that doesn't even make it on the list of things that matter the most to you? Why would you spend the rest of your life giving your all to things that don't even matter in the end? Instead, maybe today, you would realize that better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Better one handful with children that love you and know 